Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Growing up, I was always a happy child. I was really into gymnastics, so I was always um, doing gymnastics and stuff. I was always playing with my friends. My name is Elise Jones, and I'm 22, and I'm a student nurse in Wales. I started wondering where my father was when I went to high school because obviously people would talk and there was rumours that he was somebody else when he wasn't. So I really wanted to find out then so then I actually reached out to the potential father and I had a DNA and then it came back negative um, and I think at that point then I was just really emotional about it. There was between two. One of them I was happy to be my father because he was lovely, but the other one, not so much. <laughs> but I think when I was younger, I was more looking for answers rather than a relationship with my father. It was hard when I was younger because I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know if they were keeping a secret for a reason. Um, I didn't know whether anyone was hurt in the process of that or if anyone was protecting me. If we were telling you this story just a few years ago, that's where it would have ended for Elise, spending her life scanning faces in a crowd, always wondering. But then, of course, came science. DNA is a biological molecule, and uh, it's part of the apparatus that makes cells work, and then cells make organs, and organs make us. And it's passed down from parents to children That's Daniel Bradley. He's a geneticist at Trinity College Dublin. Whereas everybody has the same complement of chromosomes and a very similar DNA code, because we're all human and the DNA code always works to make us human, there are differences. So about every thousand base pairs, base pairs is a unit of of coding in DNA, uh, there's variability. And if you compare any two people, they will differ in maybe um, more than a million parts of their genetic code. Now, most of those differences don't make any physical difference, but what they're useful for is figuring out how related people are to each other. Because the more related you are, um, if you're father, daughter, you'll you'll share half of those on average. If you're more distant, then, then you won't. As a joke, I bought the Ancestry kit, like under the influence of drinking. So Ancestry is a kit that you put your DNA in and then it will tell you where um, you're initially from, like your background, like what countries and stuff you're from, your ethnicity. And then it will tell you people who have also done Ancestry will come up 
Yeah, so the Ancestry kit came and it was like all of a bit of a joke. I was sending it to my friends, um, like laughing because I didn't understand. So I thought it was going to be just like a little swab in the mouth. But you had to actually spit into a cup, which was actually quite big. And you had to like fill the cup with spit and then send it off. So to me, it was more funny than actually serious because I never really thought I was going to get any answers out of it. So I actually captioned it like, who's the daddy as a joke? <laughs> I actually forgot about it and then six weeks later I arrived back at my house and it, I had an email saying the um, your ancestry results are in. So yeah, I looked at them and then it said that I was half Irish. Straight away I just looked at who my matches were on there and I had a match on there um, with a cousin who was like a um, third cousin twice removed which means well now that I know it was actually my grandmother's cousin so it was actually just looking at who his cousins were which now I know was my grandmother and then we actually then found her marriage certificate and then it was just a guessing game of who my father was out of my grandmother's children. In case you're wondering, Elise did have help from a volunteer who helps people trace their parents. But even in finding her grandmother, it wasn't the end of the road because, believe it or not, her grandmother had six boys. I had to just work out who was in the right age category to be my father and who was over in Wales at the time. It was out of three, which could potentially be, because they were in the age category. Um, one of them had unfortunately passed. Um, another was living in Australia, and I think Colin was the only one around, like, close enough to ask questions to. Also, he... Just looking at his profile, I just thought he would be the one to actually want to help. So he was the first man I messaged out of the six because I actually didn't think he was my father at first. I thought he was my uncle. I didn't actually ask, like, explain the whole story. I just said to him that um, I've been doing my ancestry work and I found out the way related is it possible you could help. And at this point, he just thought I was a scam, so he didn't actually reply. <laughs> <laughs> So then I messaged again um, and I said, sorry to disturb you, but I've actually found out that you are related to me and I am looking for my father. And I think as soon as I said my father, then he was actually thought this girl is real. When I was a young man around town, I was, I was living for the adventures of the night. I was fairly wild, fairly free-spirited. I was kind of rudderless as well. I didn't have any visions of what I could bring to the world, like, you know? I was very much living in the moment. I, well, I'm Colm, I'm 46, and I suppose for the last four years I've been involved with conscious retreats, facilitating conscious retreats. Prior to that, I was, I was, I've been in catering since I was 14. It's only really in the last four years that I've kind of looked for something with a bit more substance to it, like, you know? You know, maybe maybe making a difference in people's lives. People come for healing for various for various um, afflictions, whether it's addictions or whether it's 
abuse or whether it's um, just a disconnection from themselves. And we, we allow ourselves to, to be more real with each other. People just expose themselves, you know. The first contact with Elise came in November through a message on Facebook asking for my help in tracing her family. Um, she went on to say that she's been doing some ancestral research and it seems that somewhere along the line we are related. And she's wondering if I could help her trace her family. And I was like, hey, who are you looking for? And she's like, I'm looking for my father. He doesn't even know I exist and it would be lovely to get to know him and my paternal family. If you don't want to help me, I understand, yada, yada. And I'm like, yeah, it seemed like I just wanted to help this girl out. But um, at that stage, the penny hadn't really dropped, you know. So then she just went on to say, you know, I'll tell you my story. I'm a 21-year-old girl living in Pontypridd, South Wales. My mom became pregnant with me when she was 19 and I was conceived when Wales played Ireland in 1999. And it could be a score here, a tremendous run all the way by Mags, Kevin Mags. The eyes are thrilled. So at that stage, the penny's beginning to sort of drop. Because, um, <laughs> you know, I, I was in Wales in 1999, certainly around when Ireland played Wales. So I was kind of like, check, check in my head. But at the same time, she had thrown me off course by saying she may, I may be able to help her. So, But then I just got this knowing, I suppose, you know, and I just had a look at her Facebook and uh, a familiar-looking mother was greeting me. <laughs> you know, there was there was very strong resemblances in terms of uh, facial features, and I was like, "This is definitely my daughter." Like, So I connected with her mother again through Facebook to just to say, is this what I think it is? And uh, do I have the go ahead to, to say yes, you know? And then my mother replied saying, I'm sorry for the shock of all this. Um, her DNA has come up as your family DNA. So I, f I think so, basically. So I messaged Elise back and I said, you know, I am the man you're looking for. And... Um, she was like, yeah, I think you are too, but I just didn't want to scare you off, like. Which I thought was lovely in, in the way the approach was very tactful and was very, it gave me that kind of option almost to say, I can't help you with this trajectory, if you like. As, as I'm sure it happens, you know, 21 years later, people are at different stages of their lives. Maybe they're married, maybe they have their own family, and it's just not something they would entertain. But you gave me the option, I think, of rejection. It wasn't a case of, here I am, deeply, you know. I was surprisingly calm being greeted with this sort of tsunami of news. But at the same time, you know, underneath that calmness is, a, is anxiety, I suppose, as well. It's sort of like, am I good enough? And you start questioning your whole role in all of this, like, you know. Because, you know, obviously I didn't play a part in bringing her up. You know, her mother had obviously done a great job with that part. But yeah, it was it was scary in, in terms of and exciting at the same time. Colin had actually messaged me again saying, um, this seems surreal and a bit of a shock, but I think I'm the man you're looking for. The first thing I'd done was ring the cousin of mine, which initially helped me in the beginning and explained. 
And um, I was on the phone to him for quite a while. He was like really excited and stuff because he'd already met my grandmother. So he was explaining to me how lovely she was and um, that this is so exciting and stuff. And then I spoke to the lady who found my father and I told her about it. And then my dad then asked me to message him when I landed in Africa. From there, that's how it stemmed. She was flying to Ghana the next day to do some nursing, uh, volunteer, volunteer nursing, and uh, it wasn't until two days later we spoke on the phone, which is surreal when you make that kind of, you dial in the numbers and you think, the person at the end of this phone call is my daughter, I'm going to hear her voice for the first time, like, you know. Because you hadn't spoken to her until then? Well, no, 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 no. We had, we had, we had initial contact by text and then, you know, it's it's such big news that, it, you know, it, it takes a while to sort of, like, let it sink in, you know. We connected very, very easily, I think, you know, and then the phone call was very natural. It was very, it was very, <laughs> very quite cool, you know. I suppose you just want to see, you want, you, you, you want to just gauge her tone of voice and where she's at in her life and uh, what she's doing. And, you know, she, when we were talking for the first time, she was in, she was in Ghana and she was telling me all about her, her nursing. And, and I could see she was very passionate about it and very happy to be doing this type of work and you know I just asked her about her life in Wales and obviously I'd asked you know so growing up did you did you did you have any idea or, or, or did you have a father figure in your life or was it a constant search and for me I didn't know at least existed so I didn't have this void if you like I wasn't it wasn't a search whereas you know if, if you if you don't know who your mother is you don't know who your father is if you don't know where you come from it's a constant sort of like, who am I? I'm, where did I come from? And and I think that she she had that search, and she told me afterwards. She said even if you if you didn't want to know, it was just to get that closure of where I came from. You know, I could say my father is Irish and he lives in Dublin, and even that brings a certain amount of closure to the search. So she said, you know, anything else was a bonus, like you know, but it was a bonus for both of us, I think. And so, Colm and Elise texted back and forth, getting to know each other. But for Elise, she'd been here before, and that made her a little cautious. I was getting a bit um, worried, because obviously from previous times where I have thought somebody was my father and they weren't, and then I got disappointed, even though I kind of already knew, because my DNA said that I was from Ireland and... Um, my family was his family and stuff. I still needed the peace of mind of the um, DNA from his part. So I kind of like not backed off, but I said that I needed that initial confirmation first um, before I like go over and meet and stuff. So mm-hmm. he then done a DNA with me on Ancestry. And then um, as soon as the DNA was done, then I think that's when it was real. Before that, it wasn't really... It was real, but it weren't. I think a few weeks before Christmas, um, I rang him and I was like talking about something in his line of work. Normally he'd stay and chat for ages, but he was like, I need to go a second. And I was so confused. And then he texted me saying the results are in. So I was driving at this point. So I pulled over with my friend and I just looked on my phone. And then the first thing is I logged into my ancestry and then it said, uh, Colin Verdon, father. I am not an emotional person. I don't cry at anything. I think I'm quite cold. But at this point, me and my friend just like cried. It was it was just so surreal at that moment. It was just like 
that part of my life had like closed then because I I was able to just like rest with that peace of mind knowing who my father was and where I came from. We've been hearing the story of Elise, a 22-year-old student nurse from Pontypridd in Wales who never knew anything about her father until she bought a DNA kit online and managed to find him. Colm is Irish, 46, and has just found out that fatherhood had not, as he'd thought, passed him by after all. Do you feel different now that you know you're a father? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you feel this weight of responsibility now. Or you feel this connection to another person that you perhaps only helped your mother maybe, but now that you've passed on life, you have this whole new legacy, I suppose, you, you, you leave behind. If, if nothing else, I've co-created co- a, a beautiful young woman. Like So there's more substance to your life now that you've you know that you've been a part of this. So you definitely feel much more richer as a person, you know. You know, going forward, you know, there's, there's many more memories to create there. So, yeah, it's been a joy. I think me and my father got, like, similar personality. We just find a lot of things funny. We don't really get upset and I think that's what I found crazy because even though I hadn't been brought up with him like our characteristics are like literally the same like we just find everything funny because I do nursing I always thought like you are you know you are a character of what you've been brought up with but after meeting my father I think it is sometimes down to genetics as well yeah I think I literally have the same face just in a female (laughs) version What's really interesting about Colm and Elise is that they see a lot of themselves in each other, even though up until a couple of months ago, they were complete strangers. You know, we're almost like twins, like, you know, if you were to take a photograph of me when I was 22 and put them alongside Elise, which we have done, we actually do look a bit like twins, like, you know, there's a sense of humour there that's that's prevalent as well. And also there's been funny little quirks along the way, you know, she talks about when she was a kid, going to restaurants, you know, she would order things like mussels, you know, where that would be, be alien to, to everyone else at the table. And, and that'd be something that I would do as well. You know, if I, people were used to, you know, you, you're always ordering mussels, like, you know. Um, so there was little quirks along the way that, that um, you, you know, they're definitely, it's not just, we're not just a product of our environment, we're a product of, um, you know, ancestral stuff that comes through as well but there's, there's, we definitely pass on traits even if we're not there to, to witness them you know Now we all know that you can hand down physical traits from one generation to the next I mean Colm saw his own face in Elise's straight away but can you really hand down a love for shellfish through your genes? It's an old question how much of the differences between people is attributable in a population to differences in DNA and how much is attributable to other things. And those other things we know um, uh, affect those traits. Like everybody knows that uh, if you're malnourished, you won't grow as tall as somebody who's well-nourished. Can we put a figure in that? Can we, can we quantify that? Or are we trapped forever in, in an argument which is nature versus nurture? So rather than getting into controversy, I think it's, it's easier just to say, well, let's measure it and let's find out. So what you find is that some traits 
that we're very interested in, like height or stature, are very highly influenced by genetics. So um, stature is about 85% heritable. So that means whenever you look at a population such as, let's say, the Irish population and where, where people's backgrounds in terms of health and nutrition are broadly similar, not exactly similar, that about 85% of the difference between people uh, matches uh, the difference in DNA. Now, where it gets more difficult is if you're looking at things that are much harder to measure, such as psychological traits. And one is, for example, IQ. And IQ, it's, it's an attempt to measure something to do with intelligence, but of course it's controversial. And what exactly it measures and how well it measures it, that's not something I'm an expert in. But what I can say, whatever is measured by IQ is actually quite heritable also. You know, it's certainly more than 50% influenced by genetics. Is there any part of Elise's personality or her behaviour that you can identify immediately and say, that came from my side of the DNA? Yeah, I mean, certainly when we've been out and, uh, you know, I've seen her dancing, so she, she definitely gets that for me too, you know. Is, is, that, is that a good or bad thing? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's my only good trait, like, you know. <laughs> It's important to be really clear here. Heritability doesn't tell us that a specific trait is 60% or 80% genetic. It tells us how much of the variability of that trait in a population is down to genes. Raise two children in separate but identical black boxes. Feed them the same food through identical tubes. Let them watch only the exact same TV or hear the same music. If you measure the intelligence of these poor boys who've been nurtured in exactly the same environment, the difference between them can be attributed to their genes. If you measure the intelligence of two identical twins separated at birth, the difference between them can be attributed to the difference in their environment because they have exactly the same genes. Heritability in a population then is how much difference between individuals is down to genetics and how much is down to environment. Nearly always, both have an influence on the outcome. It's not a question of nature versus nurture. It's a question of nature and nurture. Our, our physical and psychological makeup is a combination of both. And there's actually almost no traits that are fully just physical and no traits that are fully non-genetic. It's, it's, it's very difficult actually to figure out a trait that is, for example, not influenced by genetics. And I often ask um, my, my students in a class to give me examples and they'll say things like, well, what religion you are? Well, that's, that's true, but actually the tendency to be religious or not actually has about a 40% heritability. That means there is a proportion of your tendency to be religious that is passed down through your genes as crazy as that sounds. When we think about heritability and families, we often just think about the physical traits. But there's so much more hidden in our genes. Wit, 
63%. Serum lipid levels, 44%. Memory, 47%. Verbal ability, 63%. Susceptibility to back pain, 60%. Work burnout disorder, 0%. Travel sickness, 60%. Sleep patterns, 60%. Ability to quit smoking, 70%. What made us the way we are? How much of it is down to genes and how much is down to our environment? Genetic scientists are constantly updating our database of traits and heritability. And as Elise gets to know her father for the first time over the next few weeks, months and years, she won't ever have to wonder again to herself, what does my father look like? What sort of person is he? Over time, she can discover how they are alike, how they are different and how much of that lies in her genes. When I was searching for my dad, I wasn't searching for anything else other than answers. I didn't really want to know who he was at that point. I, In my head, I had my family, I had everyone around me. And then this man came out and then I was like, actually, this is actually the best outcome because he is more than I expected. He's so nice. He didn't have any children. Did you have any thoughts about that? I think it was easier, even though I was always wanted brother or sister, because obviously I haven't got any brothers, sisters on my mother's behalf either. I did always want them, but then initially I think it was easier because I wasn't actually like wrecking a marriage or, you know, I wasn't getting involved in a family which may have had their opinions. Like it was literally just me and my father. I don't want anything, anything in return for... Literally, it's the best thing I could have asked for, really. And I'm going back over now to spend Father's Day with him. So the first Father's Day this next month. So yeah, just go as just go as the time goes on. Wow, that will be quite the the thing to spend Father's Day with your father for the first time in 22 years. Yeah, the only thing I'm actually hoping for is another um, brother or sister pops up on Ancestry. <laughs> <laughs> it for this week's Future Proof. Thank you so much to Elise and Colm for telling us their amazing story. The piece and the programme were produced by Aidan McKelvey, edited and scripted by me. Simon Keane was researching, Jojo Cardozo was on sound. We'd love to hear your story, particularly if you found relatives online through submitting DNA. You can email us, scienceatnewstalk.com, and we'll go through those in next week's podcast. Find it in the News Talk app, wherever you found this. In the meantime, stay curious. Future Proof with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland. Sunday morning at 10 on News Talk.